We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 165. Scott, I know you are running on no sleep, and it looks like both of us are running on no sleep starting on Monday morning. Well, yeah, it's another Yankees-Red Sox game in Sunday night. Primetime baseball, ESPN, and Major League Baseball loves to do this to us. And, of course, we have to record after this game because how are we supposed to record a, a, a podcast talking about the Boston series when we don't see the last game? So they force us to record at midnight on Sunday because of all this Chapman is a loser and cannot finish a freaking game when the Yankees have the perfect opportunity to win a series and close a gap to three and a half games. He can't do it. I mean, we're recording in the middle of this and it's uh, it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, we're recording top of the 10th right now. Red Sox just took a three to two lead. So you can imagine Scott and I are in great moods at this very moment. Gardner just made a wild circus catch to uh, retire that inning. But yeah, Chapman, like you said, he has been an absolute nightmare against the Red Sox this season. He either gets the save and it's somehow the Yankees luck into it, like Nunez running into an out at third base, classic Nunez fashion, helmet flying off, paying no attention to the situational baseball, or he gives up a home run and they blow the lead. It's been, it's been terrible with him and the Red Sox this season. 
Yeah, and the the bottom line with when you're looking at the uh, the contributing factors to every single one of these is the guy can't throw freaking strikes. He can't throw strikes. He gets behind in the count and then throws fastballs over the plate, and people freaking hit them. And that's exactly what happened tonight with the freaking rookie who's been up for all of what two three weeks goes in and hits a I think it was what 102.8 mile per hour fastball opposite yeah. field over the fence. Well, well you say he wasn't throwing the strikes. Big. I actually thought he looked pretty good tonight for a change. Um, it was that one pit. I, the second inning, let's disregard. He had already blown the save. He's not a two-inning pitcher. But in the ninth inning on Sunday night, he looked pretty good. I thought he looked a hell of a lot better on Sunday night than he did Friday when he actually got the save. That's not saying much. He walked no, three dudes. But- he got one out tonight on, in, uh, before that home run. It wasn't like it wasn't like he was in there for a, a while and looked phenomenal. Okay, he looked good at, for an ad, uh, for one batter that's, after that's, that too, though. That is not that is not enough for me to say he came in and looked good. He I'm gave up say a he freaking good. home run in a save situation to a rookie. Come on, lefty this, on lefty, terrible. I also love how ESPN before the inning, as Chapman was warming up, said, "Oh, he's never he has not given up a home run this year." Thank you, ESPN, for, for rubbing that right in our faces, jinxing us. Yeah, I mean, look, when, you, uh, when you're when you just sitting on that fastball, he wasn't throwing the slider over the over the plate in that at-bat, and this kid was just, you know, swinging at me. This just proves to you that everybody who's coming up now knows how to hit a damn fastball, and no matter how fast it is. I mean, he handled 102.8 and, uh, and put it over, and it looked like it actually was off of the the, the bottom of the barrel, I, off the bat, I was like, maybe this thing has a chance to stay in. And it just stayed up and stayed up and stayed up. So he hit it hard. I think it was like 105 exit, exit velo. I mean, most of that's from Chapman. The harder, they, come in, the harder Chapman. they go out. Yeah, I was going to say, most of that's Chapman. But he put wood on it. So We'll see how this result ends up tonight. Uh, Yankees have 2-3-4 coming up in the, in the bottom of the 10th against Kimbrell, who I, I'm just realizing is much more of a ginger than I thought before tonight he, his beard looks extra red tonight i don't know if it's because he got he's got all that august heat in, in there all that red all that sun turned his beard extra red but he looks extra gingery well uh, every time i was talking about this uh today when we were watching the game the um i'll never forget the uh the i think he was with he was with the padres and he was playing the Braves, I think, when the, all the guys behind home plate, the people in the stands were doing like making fun of him, doing the arm thing. Have you seen that clip? It's like yes. the, the entire stand. It's hilarious. And uh, he just looks like a buffoon. I think he looks like the biggest like jackass out there with his arm thing. I cannot handle it. Yeah, Giant I don't know tool. why the Red Sox always have to have some a guy out there who either makes a butthole with their face, <laughs> a la, a la um, Papelbon, a la Papelbum. And and then you get this douchebag who goes out there and just like hangs his arms like a like a he just looks like a I don't even know what the hell he looks like he looks like a jackass. Well, this is a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about, and I can tell it's you're feeling the same thing I am. There's some hatred for these Red Sox now. It took until late in the season, but we're starting to hate some of these guys. I hate Benintendi because he just looks annoying and absolutely murdered the Yankees on Saturday. I saw that picture of Mookie Betts rounding the bases. He was all fired up. That pissed me the hell off. I've always hated Hanley Ramirez. He's a scumbag and murders the Yankees as well. And yeah, Kimbrel with his little arm hang thing is just giant tool. There's some hatred here, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing, but it's not good when you hate them and then they freaking beat you in, in, in gut-wrenching situations or when Ben Attendee comes up 
for another uh, at-bat against Severino after he hits a three-run shot, and he just lets him hang all over the plate with no no fear at all for throwing inside. And I know this is such a Girardi thing, and it goes back to the Manny and Ortiz days because they were never really thrown at. They were never brushed off the plate. That was always a bugaboo with Yankee fans, and, and it was just never called for, and it was never done. And it's continuing, and it's driving me nuts. You get a little freaking 12-year-old kid out there playing left field, hitting three or two bombs and driving in six runs, and he's hanging all over the inside of the plate. Knock him on his ass. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't really happen in baseball anymore. It's it, a lost. It, it's a lost art in baseball. Is the knockdown? Max Scherzer would do it. There's there are guys in the there's a couple in, guys out there. There's a couple do guys it, yeah. that'll do it. Yeah, and Severino needs to. I feel like the Yankees need to go back and like go go to the well and bring in a guy like Clemens or something just to teach that type of attitude to the pitching staff because. When you do have that attitude and when you do have the ability to go inside and the batter knows that you're a little crazy, like a, just a little crazy, just a little bit off, uh, that's that's a big deal because then you're making that guy uncomfortable and you well, can then throw inside. I think some of that attitude from Clemens came in the form of a bottle. Well, you know what? Maybe he can, uh, maybe he can bottle the attitude up and teach it. Maybe he can make some good from the steroid days. Before the Sunday night game, ESPN was shoving the rivalry down our throats once again. But, you know, I actually think I was buying it a little bit. This weekend, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm, I bought back into the rivalry. It's the first time in six years the Yankees and Red Sox have played each other this late in the season where they've been 1-2 in the division. And you and I have said, we've mocked that it's not a rivalry anymore. They're going to need to meet in the playoffs. They're going to need to play some meaningful games. They've got 10 games. Well, starting on Friday, they had 10 games in three weeks, and they were all set up to be meaningful games. I think that's the only way we're going to see this thing back. It was back this weekend. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing is that we've, I think we've wanted it back for so long. Like, this is something that, you know, we love to hate the Red Sox. We miss this rivalry. So the fact that they're actually playing meaningful games right now, I mean, you're right. We talked about that. This is what it was needed. They needed, there needed to be added drama and actually drama on the baseball field and tension for, for those emotions to come back out. So, uh, you know, I can only hope, and I'm pretty disappointed that Clint Frazier got hurt at this point because this would have been a great opportunity for, for him to fly off the rails and, and go after somebody, you know what I mean? Because I, I really felt like late in the season – Clint Frazier was the guy that had the ability to to make something happen as far as, you know, a fight or just, just You're looking for a it. brawl, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm You're looking, looking for, yeah. Yeah, I need some bad blood between the players because it's not enough for where it's just that we hate these guys as fans. We need the players on the field to not like each other. And I feel like Frazier's the, the perfect person to go in and, and start that shit. There's just not enough players who act like that anymore. Yeah, but you just need one or two, and then your team's got your back. That's the thing. You just need that freaking catalyst. That's it. Judge just struck out again. Three strikeouts for him tonight. He looks absolutely lost. And he almost had that home run in his first at-bat, that foul ball home run. He jumped out on sale, but... The dude is absolutely lost at the plate right now. He's killing the Yankees. He's batting third. And I actually got into this with my dad over the weekend. He said that the, the... they need to drop him out of the three hole. And I don't disagree with that because he is a giant black hole in the middle of this order right now. But I don't, I, I hate the argument that just moving a guy out of the three spot or something like that is going to fix him. It's not going to fix him. 
You want to move him because he's killing the team, fine. But don't expect just because you move him from three down to six or seven that all of a sudden Judge is magically going to be fixed. That's not how it works. Well, if it did work like that, you're you're basically saying that there's no uh, or that there's another problem there that, that there's a there's an issue with the approach, the way that he feels pressure, and if if it's a if it's a pressure thing and he can't hit in the three spot, then we got bigger problems because then he's not he's not handling the situation. And I, I agree. I don't think that's the case. I think he's struggling at the plate mechanically. I think he's in his own head, and you know, moving down in the order is not going to change each at bat. In my opinion, you're still going to get. You could still get a meaningful at bat like like he's doing right now, um, even if he's lower in the order. You could still get a, a meaningful at bat later in the game. That's that's you know that could be in a similar situation. I just I, I don't buy into that either because you know they're still facing the same pitcher. Not really that big of a deal that he's hitting uh, you know two or three spots in the in the order further. It's thirty games now in a row that Judge has struck out. It's approaching two, two. approaching Adam Dunn territory. Two behind Adam Dunn's 32 strikeout record. It looks like he's going to break that with ease. Judge might set the record that will never be broken. We talk about Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. We talk about Cal Ripken Jr.'s 27-39 or whatever the hell it was. Does anyone actually, who's a, not a Baltimore fan actually know what that number is? I don't think so. But we talk about that streak. Judge might set the new unbreakable record in baseball. Well, first of all, I didn't even know this was a record that anybody ever talked about or even knew about until he started approaching, uh, you know, consecutive strikeouts in a game or strikeout games with a strikeout. I didn't even know this was a thing. So uh, I guess it is. It's the Aaron Judge stat now because it really wasn't a thing until Aaron Judge approached it. But here's the problem. This is the guy that we thought we knew had turned the corner, right? He can't slump. He didn't slump for the entire first half of the year. And now he's reverted back to 2016 Aaron Judge wholeheartedly. I mean, the guy's just striking out all the time, looks looks confused, the approach is bad, swinging at bad pitches. It's frustrating and it's worrisome to see what has happened because it's it's now carried on a long time. It's not just a small slump anymore. It's completely back to second half of last year, Aaron Judge. He... Um... He's got a 46.2% before tonight, so that's probably up around 47 48% yeah. K rate in the second half. He struck out 50% of the time last year in the second half, so he's almost back there. He, Yeah, he'll hit his, his home run every 20 at-bats or so, but he strikes out all the rest of the time, essentially. But, he is the only positive he's still taking walks. I think there was a stat tonight on ESPN. He's walking 21% of the time, which is basically double the league average. It's the only silver lining in Judge's last month of baseball. And and this is, I think this is going into the season. This is kind of what we expected. We, we I mean, I think we expected minimal or like smaller improvements. I mean, certainly nothing would happen in the first half. And I think everybody and their brother was surprised what the hell Aaron Judge was doing in the first half of the season. So we expected after seeing a 50% strikeout clip that maybe he's going to, maybe he can make that adjustment and cut it down to 40 or maybe, maybe just 35. Like that would be a tremendous, tremendous adjustment. And he's reverting back to where he was uh, last season, which is, I don't even know if you I don't know what you make of the first half of the year if this if he doesn't really straighten the if he doesn't get back on the rails. I don't I don't know what you make of this season. It's very confusing as to where he is as a baseball player. I don't think he is this bad. I, I don't think he's this bad was, either. Someone who was that good for three straight months can't be this bad. It it doesn't compute. It can kind of go the other way too, though. I mean, someone he's not who, that good. Who is as bad as he was? Fifty percent clip for now. If you add the two of them, that's what three two months, 
combined about uh, how can someone be that good? Yeah, I mean, it could I go agree. Either way. That's exactly where I was going. So he's somewhere in the middle. Where that middle is, I don't know if the middle is closer to the MVP level player or if it's closer to the strikeout machine. I'm not sure, but it's somewhere in the middle. He just needs to find it. Yeah, the other thing he's doing is he's playing defense. He's doing a good job. He's stealing bases. He stole a base in the what was that the first inning tonight? I mean, there's there's other ways he he can contribute, and I think he probably feels that he needs to contribute in other ways while he is this abysmal uh, at the plate. But you're right, he's taking his walks. He's doing the little things in the field. He's doing he's uh, running the bases well. So I I don't know. He's got to figure the shit out. That's the bottom line. Start going the other way again. We've been talking about that. I do I do believe it's an approach thing, and uh, it's a lot of it is very, very much mental. This weekend marked one year of when he was called up. Can you believe we were at that game a year ago? Doesn't seem like so much shit has happened just with the Yankees. Obviously, your life has turned upside down in the last year. Jesus Christ. But, but, uh, but just with this Yankees team. We we were at our Bronx Pinstripes event last year for just the just the guys on the website. A Rod had his farewell goodbye night, and then Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge go back to back on that like steamy Saturday afternoon. It was a thousand degrees. All that has happened in the last year. Yeah, and now I'm watching the, the the Red Sox play patty cake on the freaking outfield and do stupid, 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 stupid little cheers that they do in the outfield with each other. I can't stand them. I really this patty cake thing is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. How do you not throw a ball at somebody while they're in the batter's box after they do a patty cake celebration hitting a three-run bomb off of you? How do you not how do you let that guy stand there? You know what this is? This is the Red Sox hate episode. It's about damn time we had a Red Sox hate episode. I mean, really, how are you how as a man can you stand there and not throw at a dude who just played patty cake after he hit a three-run bomb off of you and then did it again? I don't get it. I don't get it. We're, he needs to get some freaking balls and, and start throwing at these guys a little bit. You know, I'm not saying you got to hurt someone. I'm not saying you got to even hit them. Just, just how, about we, how about we take control of the inside of the plate? How about that? How about we throw at their hands a little bit? They can get out of the way if they choose to. Throw at them a little bit so they can get them off the plate. Severino throws 99 miles per hour. Throw a freaking fastball at their hands. So is Severino the guy? I feel like it's got to be... Maybe not. Maybe maybe Sonny Gray would do that. No, although he's he's too mild mannered. Sabathia would do it if he was out there, but he's not out there. You're right. That's why Severino needs to take the reins. He's got to be the he's the uh, the new ace quote number one guy on this team. He's the leader of the rotation on the field. He needs to take the reins. He's the guy that throws hard. He's the one who got his ass handed to him by Andrew Benintendi and then played patty cake. He's the one who needs to go out there and establish the inside of that plate and establish himself as that feared ace. What are you making of Severino's blow-up start? His first bad start of the second half on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's just it, right? It's the first, it's the first one in a very long time. So you got to chalk it up. The dude had a bad, bad day. Even though he started out very well in, the, in, the, in that game, um, you know, I don't know what happened. He lost concentration and he just lost it. I mean, it happens every once in a while. You can't, you can't destroy a guy for doing that every once in a while. Um, cause it's going to happen. I mean, you can't just, you can't have an Aaron judge first half of the season. Not many people do that. I, uh, I tweeted something on Saturday. People misconstrued it. I said, it's a bad look for the, for the people who said Severino is an ace today as he gave up what was the 
10, two five run innings. I know he didn't get all of the the earned runs in that second inning, but Yankees got absolutely trounced. To be clear, I was one of the people who was sitting here on this podcast calling Severino an ace. So, so you're, he you're saying it's a bad look for you and the rest it's of the a, crew. It's just it's just a, it's all it was. It was a bad look. It's a bad look. Start. It happens. I understand it happens. You just hope it doesn't happen in a game like that after they have an emotional win on Friday and you know you're facing Chris Sale on Sunday night. Severino, as the ace, needed to go in there and lock it down on Saturday. It didn't happen. I'm not saying his season is lost because of that one start. I'm not an idiot. All I'm saying is it was very, very disappointing to watch that on Saturday. The, the, I, think, I think people have a misconception about what an ace needs to be. And, I mean, you, you've been definitely on this, on this side as well when you're talking about Tanaka in years past about how uh, in a game like that, I mean, you would absolutely crucify Tanaka if that was him on that day in, uh, in 2016. I mean, you, you would have been crucified at this point if he, if he had walked into there and gave up that that eight run spot after the emotional win on Friday night against the the, the team leading, knowing Chris Sale's there. I mean, like the word gutless, hundred percent would have come out. Yes, well, that was a, that was a pretty gutless start by by Severino. But the reason I I'm not absolutely crucifying Severino is because he he's he's the new ace of the staff. I saw that from time and time again from Tanaka. I haven't seen that from Severino. So if he goes out there and continues to barf on himself in big spots like that, yeah, I'll be throwing around that gutless word liberally, and I'll kill him on this podcast. But I'm not ready to do that yet. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the adjustments even that he's made from last year. He's a he's basically a second-year guy, um, really a, a full – this is his first full long season, um, and he's – pretty much taken it by the balls for the majority of the time. I mean, yeah, he had some some spotty outings in the beginning of the year, but, you know, like we've said, second half, the dude's been lights out, and he had a bad day. It happens. The Yankees were so close to taking that series right from under the Red Sox nose because they stole the game on, on Friday night. They would have taken the third straight start from Chris Sale. Chris Sale started two previous starts against the Yankees uh, this season, and the Yankees won both of the games. It was the first game was the one Tanaka shut them down, and the second game, Severino shut them down, and then it went 16 innings. Would have been the third time. Didn't happen. So now the Yankees are, what, 7-5 and five against the Red Sox this year? That's still a pretty good record. There's a trend this year with the Yankees. They play to their competition. They're below 500 against teams who have below 500 records, and they're above 500 against teams with above 500 records. I don't know how to explain that other than they don't concentrate when the teams suck. So is that a manager thing? Is that a, is that a Girardi thing in the sense that you're, not, you're playing to your competition? So it's almost like taking the, the foot off the gas pedal when you're going and playing a team that you need to beat, and all of a sudden, it's uh, for whatever reason, the, the pressure is on or the, the importance is on when you're playing against a team that is, is, is good and, and above 500. I mean, to me, that's, uh, you, you got to look at management at some point during, when you're playing guys like that. No, I, quite the opposite. I would say that's a player thing, not a manager or a coach's thing. Well, Players are the ones who go out there and, and are facing the, the competition, whether it's the best team in baseball or the worst team in baseball. They're the ones that need to go out and no matter what, play 100%. But that's <laughs> they're also the ones playing the, the good teams, and, and they're playing well against the good teams, but it's the players that only decide to play well against a good team? I don't understand Well, no, that. they're the half ones the ta- who, half the time for whatever also, reason... Half the time, also when Girardi's trolling out there like horrible lineups against shitty teams, and then they lose. 
okay, so we're we're gonna blame all of the bench players as well when they're when they're going up against a a shit team and they and they play to the competition. I mean, well, that happens quite issue. a bit. Yeah, the, that is that is a whole other issue where Girardi will rest guys to a fault for the long haul. But that plays you into can the argue back and forth. You can argue back and forth if that's the right uh, strategy or not. I'm I'm sure he's got uh, half a binder full of statistics that show that resting guys on certain days make sure that they're not tired come September. But what I'm saying is when you're out there playing the. Toronto Blue Jays and they're in last place in your division you can't go out and lose two out of three like the Yankees did earlier this week that's on the players as much as much if not more as it is on the coaching staff aren't we seeing a trend here for the past three years when we've done this show the Yankees have been practically a 500 team <laughs> and it seems like it's always it's always start, it just levels out at the end it's like it's like they get to that point and they play 500 ball for an extended period of time, and then they have weird streaks where they either lose a lot or they win a lot. But this team just—it it feels like it can never get its ass away, like out of its own way. It can never either ride momentum and take on. Uh, over the past years, I know it's been different players and different uh, different team atmosphere, but the one standard, the one thing that is has stayed the same, has been the leadership of this team, and. I know I have even said that that Girardi, I, I still believe he's going to get another contract. But at some point, doesn't that have to be looked at, at at the way that this team is sparked, whether it's against a good team, whether it's against a bad team, the way that they're they're managed on a day-to-day basis, the way that they take their batting practice, the way that they approach the games. I feel like this this really does need to start being looked at more on a um, on a microscopic level with the management and with the leadership of this team overall. It will be if they don't make the playoffs. And I think I think there's serious uh, a serious chance Girardi does not come back as manager if the Yankees do not play in a playoff game this year. Uh, I'm including the wild card game. I know you don't count that as a playoff game. I'm not even sure I count it as a playoff game. But the Yankees have to at least be in a wild card game, probably hosting a wild card game. Probably win that game. Probably win that. So, one, but yeah. so you're gonna you're so you're gonna you're gonna put a decision. All on on riding on one game. He gets he so they win that one game and then they get swept in the, in the division series and that's fine. But if they lose that that well now that you're saying one, that they they're getting swept in the next. <laughs> now you're, you're what I'm adding, saying you're is adding the worst it, possible scenario to the next to the next round already. No, what I'm, what I'm saying, saying is, is they've already game, been in one of those games and they lost it. So that would be two. Okay, but I think that with what this team did at the trade deadline, Girardi at least needs to get them to a wild card game. Yeah, or no, else he's no no longer the manager of this team. I agree, but I think it, I think there's there's a number of things that that are going to play into that. I think it's uh, also going to be how they got to that because right now there's a ton of teams and a million things can happen with it that could get very weird at the end of the year. There's probably what six teams they're going to be hunting for two of those wild card spots. So there's going to be drama till the last day. The the way that they get into the the playoff if they do get into the playoff series and then yeah i think the way that they play if the, if it's a one game series it's the one game play in playoff whatever the, whatever you want to call it then yeah i think that game is absolutely going to be to be looked at the way that it's played there's no doubt the yankees have a game and a half lead over over the angels for the for the wild card right now they've got they've got games to make up too so they've got the same number of wins they just have fewer losses cuz of cuz of whatever reason the yankees did not play as many games as a lot of teams in the first half and you got to give a lot of credit to mike sosha for even being remotely close to the playoffs with the team that he has that's that's pretty impressive in my opinion when you lose trout for the long as long as uh, as he did they have a 
a 97-year-old DH and slash first baseman and Albert Pujols and then a bunch of kids. Sosha has been around so long. He's got to be the longest tenure manager, right? Yeah, I think he uh, Yeah, he must be. And he went through so many different – I mean, that team loaded up on free agents. They brought in Pujols and Hamilton, and they also had Trout still, and they did nothing. Mm-hmm. And then – so that team has been so up and down. Yeah, I – I'm actually surprised he's still there. They have like, no they pitching. Get, they have no. He runs pitching. that team. He they haven't had hole. pitching in a long time. Right. Um, speaking of pitching, Sabathia and Tanaka both go on the disabled list. Let's talk about CC first. So last we did a podcast. He we he, he had had the MRI, but he had not uh, been placed in the DL. He's going on the DL. Looks like he should only miss one start though, because there was no extra damage done in that knee. The knee is basically just screwed. But that's it's no it's not screwed any more than it already was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what we're is that a good thing? <laughs> I mean, good because he's been not pretty, a bad thing. He's been well, he's been pretty bad with it being the way it was. I mean, he hasn't the last three starts. He's been pretty terrible. He's only gotten into the, what the fifth inning, fourth, fifth inning. Um, he, it seems like he's gone back to that CC of very early in the season when he was just not executing and not able to get through through games. I, I don't. That's not that's not a guy that's coming out and helping your team. If if he's going out there with a knee that's sore, good enough to play, but he's only getting through four and a half to five innings and not good innings, like I mean, he's letting up runs at the same time. That's not a guy that's helping the team. That's that's bad news. I, I think this is a, a bigger story um, than it is. I think the the fact that it's that there is a knee injury, plain and simple, is a big problem. Well, he said it was the worst it had felt since twenty six or since twenty fifteen in that start against Toronto. Yeah. That it was the pain was so unbearable he couldn't even put weight on it. Oh so how is it not how is it not any worse? Maybe the MRI doesn't show it's any worse because you can't see any like you know, you can't see the actual damage or it doesn't look on an MRI. But the yeah. man the man's telling you what he feels. I mean and, you know that's a pretty damn honest opinion right there. The bet the worst it's felt in two years. Well you're uh, you're thirty six years old now, right? Sabathia's yeah. 37 years old. I'm 37. So I know what, You're yeah. 37, so you're yeah. up there with, with Sabathia. You know, you get the old man aches and pains. It just happens. Right, but when you're when you're talking about how bad it feels, I mean, wasn't he drinking at that point too? I mean, it felt that bad when you... Well, that's why he was drinking. He was drinking to, to get the pain away. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, te- I'm telling you, this knee is a rabbit hole. It's going to go down. It's bad things can spiral off of these knee injuries. No, he's 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 uh, he's probably found Christ or something like that, and he's not he's not going to go back to the bottle. He's on the wagon or he's off the wagon. I never know what what the one is. I think isn't that a Seinfeld bit. Yes, it is. <laughs> Tanaka on the DL right, right shoulder inflammation. He said that after that start against Toronto, his entire arm from shoulder all the way down to fingertips felt fatigued. So he's on the DL. This kind of came out of nowhere on Saturday afternoon. The Yankees just slipped it in there with some. Some other bad news uh, with the Sabathia thing and then Jordan Montgomery getting hit in the dome piece. I mean, what's talk about some bad luck with Montgomery just out there signing autographs, getting jacked by a Sandy Leone uh, line drive, blue ball. I'm not even going to call it. It was a Sandy Leone line drive. So I'm pretty sure he was aiming for him, by the way, which also leads more to the fact that Montgomery should have absolutely plunked somebody tonight. But um, yeah, so we're going to talk about Tanaka being hurt. And you're going to be like, okay, see, look, Tanaka's hurt. I've been telling you he's hurt. And I'm telling you that a dead arm is not an uh, arm injury. It's fatigue. And that's what it is. Okay, well, all I know is that Tanaka has not been right all season. And I think it's more than just the fact that he forgot how to pitch. 
I think there was some sort of dead arm, tired arm injury situation going on with him. I don't, that's what I thought that because I didn't know what else it could be. And it turns out he had a dead arm. I know you say that you, so you think that just popped up this week? No, I think that happens. To, he, I think it happens to a lot of pitchers going into the uh, the tail end of the season. It happens all the time. It happened to John Lester. It happens to that. That's one of your one of your uh, guys on your ace list. I mean, it happens to a lot of people at the end of the year. A lot of people, especially as you as are, uh, you have uh, the amount of mileage that you have on, on a Masahiro Tana, a Masa arm. The Masa, is, the Masa arm, the Masa arm has a lot of, the Masa arm has a lot of miles on it. <laughs> this is also assuming you believe this thing, this 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 narrative that they're saying that it's just a tired arm. Yeah, no, I believe it. I hundred percent believe it. Why, why nah, are they lying? They at could this be. Point? Why not? What's the point? What does he have to gain? Well, he's got he's got uh, he's, got, he's a got a reputation to, to uphold. He's got no reputation anymore. Nobody 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 thinks highly of him. Where's the reputation? I mean, you can go back to Japan. Nobody will remember what happens here. They'll just, you know, they'll they'll just, you know, be be they'll shower him with praise for everything he did in Japan. It doesn't matter. He's not going to get any attention here. Everybody hates him here now because he's completely screwed our season. <laughs> so people people were were freaking out over the Tanaka injury news, and I I was upset obviously when I saw it come down because Sabath they just lost Sabathia, uh, but you had to stick take a step back and realize it's not like they're losing Tanaka of 2016 when he was a number one pitcher, right? He's been a number five pitcher all season. So fine. You, you take Tanaka out of the rotation, you bring him Caleb Smith two and one half a dozen. The other, it's just another crappy pitcher. We have to watch. It, it's, it's funny how this works because I saw the same thing. I saw, I was like Masahiro Tanaka. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> it was almost the same reaction I had, which is unbelievable. You want to talk about where, how we, how, how we've come in a year. It was almost the same reaction I had to when I saw that Michael Pineda was was gone for the year. <laughs> Until you just said Michael Pineda, I forgot he pitched this yeah. season. Like I was, I was pretty much the same reaction. Okay, well, someone else will come in and uh, throw five innings. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be Caleb Smith, who the Yankees called up over the weekend. Nice. Uh, it could also be Brian Mitchell, who Toolsy we talked guys. about. Toolsy guys coming up from AAA. I love it. Caleb Smith spelt with three A's because that's where he belongs in AAA. No, give me the uh, give me the the possibilities. I love potential. Love potential. You wouldn't rather see them give the shot the the start to Brian Mitchell, who's looked really good recently, and who has actual major league stuff versus AAA garbage college, barely could touch eighty five miles an hour. I could probably hit a double off of him, Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith hits the high nineties. You see, this is where you're you're mistaken. I don't know what you're watching when you're. Who did watching I compare him to? Vidal Nuno. Nuno. Nuno yeah, <laughs> and like, not who's even the guy. That's Who's embarrassing. The guy from uh, KC, who did I? This is another lefty in KC. I compared him to. Oh, uh, Vargas. Remember. Yeah, Vargas. Yeah, it's it's past midnight. I'm I'm tired. Yeah, it's bad when my memory is better than yours. The uh, no, Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith could do something. I swear to God, he could do something. He needs to bottle it up. That see, here's where you're wrong. Caleb Smith can't do jack shit. He's not good. <laughs> Fine. All right. Maybe he's not good, but he's uh, he's got a lot of pitches and he throws hard, and I like to see that. So let's um, let's roll him out. We've there again. seen it. I want to. This will be again. the third no, start. This will be the third start for Caleb Smith. I'd rather see Brian Mitchell get a start. No, I'm fine. I got. I'm, I'm being Mitchell. serious now. I'm being serious now. So am I. I. I have no problem with Brian Mitchell. Also, I think Brian Mitchell also is a guy that is uh, is is the same type of toolsy guy. I mean, he's he's had struggles quite a bit when he comes up and tries to start in the major leagues. Also. 
Absolutely. But he looked pretty damn good when he filled in for Sabathia uh, in Toronto. Well, I think that he's he's probably earned it over the rest of the guys, considering that he has major league experience. He's been on the 40-man roster for quite a long time now. Um, you know, I, I do believe that he should get the job based on, you know, seniority almost and the, the fact that he has earned that spot because he's he's done well in AAA. He's, he's proved that he can do it in AAA. So the next level is is the the major leagues, the Bronx, obviously where he needs to show that he can take that next step. So I, I do believe that of the three guys that we were talking about, if we're talking about Sessa also, I'm lumping into that same mix, <clears throat> yeah. that, that Mitchell should be the guy that, that gets the most opportunity. A lot of people calling for Chance Adams. It just does not seem like a possibility at this point. If the Yankees were going to start Chance Adams this season in the major leagues, I think it would have already happened. Yeah, it really seems like they're managing his. Well, I don't think they're just. I just don't think they're happy with the way he has come to AAA and uh, and progressed for whatever reason. You know, whether it's the control or not having the control of that, uh, the control of the of the um, strike zone, or you know, mastering that that one more pitch that that they think he needs to be a uh, a major league pitcher and actually go through a, a lineup more than twice. They're just. I don't know. They're caught. They're, they're, it seems like they're protecting this guy, uh, and they know he's not ready. Whatever, man. You you can't you can't have pitches care. without pitches. It's all good. I'll just sit down here and scream. <laughs> the bottom line is, if the Yankees don't start hitting, especially in the middle of the order with runners in scoring position, it doesn't matter who's out there pitching because they go out there and they they put up zero runs against Toronto back on Thursday when when Sonny Gray started. Sonny Gray wasn't great. He gave up a bunch of two out hits, which were back breaking. But it was backbreaking because the offense was getting shut down by Estrada. And Estrada had been hit by the Yankees twice this season. I think he had given up, um, coming into that uh, start, 13 runs to the Yankees this season before before that start. I feel like you're just waiting for Estrada to break out, though, because he, last year, did. He would. it seems like he would always just shut the Yankees down. Dude, he hadn't he won. He had not won a game in the major league since May. <laughs> so he's due. That's I mean that's if you're if you believe in due that's one that way man, to look at it that man was due, uh, but no yeah he's he's had a horrible year he really has I wouldn't mind making a, a little waiver deal for him right now though he could probably bolster our staff did they didn't put him on waivers though no I'm saying they, if if that were to be an option which I could see it happening it's one of those guys that I could see doing that you know he, he would make our pitching staff better even though he hasn't won a game since May yeah um. The Yankees were 0 for 9 runners in scoring position this year. Um, excuse me, the, uh, uh, at Thurs- on Thursday night, more more runners in scoring position struggles. What is like? What is it? What's the problem with them in runners in scoring position? I got no answer for you. I, I really don't. I, I don't know how major league players just all of a sudden disappear when there are runners in scoring position. They're they're not getting the same pitches. You know that's that's one th- way to look at it. The pitchers are definitely uh, approaching the batters differently, and uh, maybe they're being too aggressive and chasing bad pitches. Um, they're not jumping on pitches early in account. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what their approach is, uh, but it's not working. That's <laughs> the bottom line. Is it's not working? And again, that's to me. This is an approach thing. Also, you don't have that many guys struggling, and and it, it just continues. I can see when you have like you know a, a handful of guys that are struggling, but when you have an entire lineup of guys that struggle in runners in scoring position, I'm sorry, but I'm looking elsewhere. Also, I have to because there are other things. The coaches have to come in at somewhere at some point, and it's usually when the the batters are lost and they're struggling. That's where you need your coaches the most. 
I, you know, you know me. I hate just going strictly to the coach, blaming the coaches. It's not strictly on them. It's got to no, be no, some I, on them, though. No, I was, I was going to agree with you. I was, but, but in this case, when it's becoming an epidemic, what the runners in scoring position thing is for the Yankees this year, the coaching staff has to be blamed a little bit. And you also have to look at Girardi or whoever on the coaching staff and say, well, how many times are you going to watch the Yankees leave a runner on third base with less than two outs or not get that big hit with two outs and runners in scoring position before you start doing something different? Oh, oh you mean like practicing how to bunt? Uh, practicing bunt. how to move the runners over? Because they don't steal, do that because steal nobody more bases, knows how to do it. Yeah. Steal more bases. Like, how about you just... You find guys every time they don't get a runner, don't hit the ball in the air when there's a guy on third base and less than two outs. Because... I mean, Frazier did it tonight, and that's great. But it, so many times this season, it does not happen. You get a pop up or a strikeout or a little weak ground ball to the pitcher. It it just seems like they're not. Yeah, they're not doing the little things, and it's very obvious that they're not working on any of these things. And there has to be some kind of a fundamental change when you are struggling that badly. You need to start scratching runs across. You need to start getting those runs in. When there's a guy on third base with less than two outs. Especially when you are struggling as badly as you are, you need to just you need to figure it out and do something different. And unless you're working on things like that, you can't expect a guy to go up in a box and and uh, you know slap to the the opposite side when there is a shift on or bunt when he hasn't bunted in three years because he's never practiced it either because you're not making him work on those things. Look, there's 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 got to be a top down. Uh, there's got to be top down. Uh, circumstances for all of these guys and it just seems like there's nobody's holding them to hold, nobody's holding them to the fire and it, it's really bothering me and if you look over the past couple of years runners in scoring position for the New York Yankees has been a problem for a long time yeah but the players are all different exactly so it's a it's a completely turn the roster has been completely turned over from even point, a year ago my point but it's still a problem it's like for whatever reason when you put that New York Yankees uniform on you don't know how to hit with runners in scoring position it's a fundamental deal when you're when your manager is implementing a game plan and he is all about um, not doing the little things, trying to get that base hit, trying to still pull the ball, even though the shift is on and it's just torturing you because there's like 18 guys on the right side of the field and they won't do anything to the left side. That's a fundamental problem. That's an issue with what the manager and what the coaching staff is telling you to do. That's a problem. And it goes back to the beginning of the year when we were saying, it's great, all these home runs are great, Yankees are getting a ton of power from the middle of their lineup, but what happens when they don't have all this power? What happens if Aaron Judge is not superhuman? We're watching it now. Well, even in the early in the year, too, they were hitting a lot of gaps. Like the, It wasn't just home runs that they were doing. They were get, they were just, Everybody was hitting the ball. But at one point this season, they had 55% of their runs coming via the home run. Yeah, That's no, way too high. No, no doubt. It was the early early in the year when they were everybody was on fire. That cooled off, and then the home run ball started leaving, and that's how they started scoring runs. But look back again. This team has been built like this, and they've been taught this. You got Teixeira going up there when he was up. And there's every single time he's up, he just hits into the freaking second baseman that was sitting in short right field every single time. Go the opposite field. But he wouldn't do it. Girardi didn't make him do it. The hitting coaches didn't work on it, didn't make him do it. Can't Why? Teach an old dog new tricks. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. These guys are professional baseball players. They should be able to adapt. They have hand-eye coordination enough to hit a baseball that's coming at you 100 miles an hour. I'm pretty sure you can slap one the other way. So we, we've, we've come up with a three-step plan to fix the Yankees. First, throw out Andrew Penintendi. Second, 
hypnotize these guys and, and maybe teach them how to bunt so they can hit with runners in scoring position. And three, just Chapman, throw strikes. Just throw some fucking strikes. Throw some fucking strikes. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, is it really that difficult? No, it's, not, it's not. It's not. It's not that difficult. Uh, Jeez, okay. Spoiler alert, not that difficult. Moving away from the current Yankees on the field to the the ex-captain of the New York Yankees, Derek Jeter, now CEO of the Miami Marlins. What are, what are your thoughts on the deal officially? Him and 16 investors paying $1.2 billion for the Miami Marlins and all their diehard fans. So did I see somewhere on the bottom line, I was watching SportsCenter in the morning because that's what I do. I still watch SportsCenter in the mornings. And I swear Can't to teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> and I swear to God, I saw um, Jeter and Jordan. Yeah, Is Michael Jordan's Jordan on this too. Yep, he's okay. one of the sixteen investors. So okay. Jeter only put up twenty five mil only only put up twenty five million of his own money. So he's actually one of the smaller investors in this whole deal. Yeah, but Jordan he's also going to be he's going to be part of the uh, the baseball management. No, right? he's he's leading running baseball. the baseball operations. He's like the CEO of baseball operations of the Marlins. So this is going to be the the Marlins are going to be just a, a very obscure team with so, and now they're adding Jordan and Jeter and they're going to be like the sweetest team in the major leagues. So first of all, I think it's going to bring in a lot of a lot of those Miami fans that no longer watch the big three with LeBron down at the Heat. They'll just go over to Marlins Park and and hopefully Jordan and Jeter are there. But uh, Jeter is essentially going to be like the John Elway, uh, what John Elway is for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. But except for the, the John Elway won a Super Bowl with the Broncos and has hey. actually something attached to that franchise, whereas the Marlins not so much. They they actually beat Jeter in a World Series. So the the this it's it's, it's a different animal. But all I, I know is I do believe they they are going to bring a bunch of celebrities out to these baseball games. All I know is that since Jeter bought the Marlins, John Carlos can't stop hitting home runs. Yeah, what is he at forty two now? I think he tied or passed Gary Sheffield for the for the organization record it's pretty yep. ridiculous you you forget Gary Sheffield played for the Marlins as well one of the 13 teams he played for in Major League Baseball because I think he was kind of a d-bag he was a d-bag but he could hit everywhere he went and that dude just raked so 42 home runs for or he had 41 I guess with the Marlins the guy's a Gary Sheffield Hall of Famer eh, possibly yeah I think he's got some steroid implications but who doesn't at this point? Yeah. Um, Jeter, say we're looking at Jeter in 10 years. What is uh, What are we thinking of Jeter at that point? Well, you, can't, you obviously can't get rid of what he has done in New York, but I think that if he is a um, – if he's still at the Marlins, which I could see it not working out. I could see the first time not working out and him, him thinking that this is going to be all, you know – candy canes and ice cream and it's going to be awesome is they're just going to win immediately i could see him struggling quite a bit there in the beginning and then and then leaving going somewhere else no jeter's not a quitter you know that no he yeah but like you said he didn't put that much money into it so for jeter at least <laughs> 25 million <laughs> for for him it didn't That's put like, that much money into it so it's like it's, 150 bucks for for you and me yeah he could stay in as an investor and do something else um well I know, like the Jordan connection. Jordan has not been a good, uh, successful owner for the the, the what's Bobcats. It? What are they now? The, the Bobcats Hornets. now? No, they're the yeah. Hornets again. I think are they? Whatever they are. I'm yeah. not a basketball guy, but uh, Jeter hopefully will be because Jordan. We all. It's insane that Jordan is not just thought of as the greatest basketball player of all time. That he's thought of as uh, not that successful basketball owner and the guy who cries and he's a meme. 
hopefully Jeter doesn't turn into that in 10, 15 years. Yeah. I mean, that's um, the fact. How much did Jordan put into this deal? Is he, he's a, he's, he's, a, a mi- he's one of them. He's a face. He's a minority investor. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a big deal. The, um, I think it's going to be interesting. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it. What I think is the most interesting thing is that now Derek Jeter is Don Mattingly's boss. And how Ooh. how soon... Captain how, to captain. How soon does the first captain want to get the hell out of there and not be under uh, the, the, the his successor? And, uh, you know, maybe there's a job in the Bronx that's ready to be taken. I don't know. And Donnie Baseball love Donnie Baseball's made for Florida. We've already talked about this. He's got this he's gonna he got it the savage tan, gets the mustache going, maybe puts on a Hawaiian shirt. He's made for South Beach. Yeah, because you think he looks like Magnum PI when <laughs> he's got the freaking uh Yeah. Yeah, the, kind I mean, of the, does. Their uniform kind of does look like a Hawaiian shirt. I mean it's pretty damn close. <clears throat> All right. No, but no mailbag questions this week for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's twelve thirty at night and we're tired. And second of all, the mailbag questions just were not very good. So you guys, you have some homework this week. Submit better mailbag questions. Also, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. You can email us. Go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. That's where you got to submit those good uh, mailbag questions. Call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. Scott, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Um, I'm going to spend another 10 to 12 hour day at a hospital listening to beeps and bums and all sorts of weird noises that I'm going to have nightmares about for a while and hopefully stay awake for another Yankees game. It's been beautiful because I've been able to, to take advantage of some good Wi-Fi and watch the Yankees, so I'm pumped up. Uh, a lot of people have been reaching out to me, so I really do appreciate it. just wanted to say thank you and uh, – yeah, man, I'm looking forward to a good week of baseball because the Yankees need it so damn badly. This wild card is absolutely 100% theirs for the taking, and they need to just forget about the division right now and go out there and just play some damn good baseball. Please, God, do not blow it. And I'm going to the Yankees-Red Sox game at Fenway on Friday night. I just found that out, and I'm pumped. Nice. And it's also time for the Yankees to to kill the sucky Mets. The Mets stink. They sold all their players. Take three out of four from the Mets this week and then go to Fenway and and make something happen. All right. We'll talk to you guys in a few days. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? (laughs) Believe it or not, I'm not home. Yo, what's up, guys? I'm coming back from Bloodwork. This is the day after Sonny Gray's start against Estrada. Holy fuck. I called it in the ninth inning. I knew right when L3 got on. We're not going to send him. We're going to send him with two outs. What the fuck is Joe thinking? Send him early. I know. If, I understand you're going to get guys swinging an odd count, but get him going. We need runners. Oh, my God. Like you're paying him $153 million. Let him just fucking something. And the fast.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.